Rove McManus, Sam Frost. Today FM. We're joined on the line now by Cooper Gooding Jr. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Very, very good. Now, was this a very tough decision to take on the, the daunting role of O.J. Simpson? You know, I didn't look at it that way, believe it or not. I was, um, I was offered a film uh, role, an independent film done by a, a guy with a lot of money who wanted to do a movie about O.J. Simpson's innocence. And my reaction to that was, who was directing it? Because I've spent the last 10 years of my career doing these smaller indie films with first-time directors and directors of, of lesser note. And I found that it's the director that really motivates the narrative. And so I said, if you don't have a director, I have to pass. So I passed on it. Then a week later, my agents called me and said that Ryan Murphy wanted to meet with me. And when they told me that it was O.J. Simpson, I was like, I don't care what it is. I've respected Ryan's work since Nip Tuck and all the way through to the American Horror Stories. I knew his attention to detail and to truth was going to be such that it would be something dynamic to behold. And after meeting with Ryan, we had a wonderful meeting where he said, I'm not here to claim O.J.'s innocence or guilt. I'm here to put that time period in America, you know, June 1994, on trial. That's from the discovery of the bodies all the way through to the not guilty verdict. And I, and I said, this is the right I want to take. And given the fact that this story is based on a real story, did you have much flexibility in your portrayal of OJ? Well, I, you know, I look at it as in this mindset. It's my job to find the emotional truth of the character. So, therefore, it leaves me to be a blank emotional slate. And it's the director's job to direct me in what emotion he wants from each take and whatnot. And because we had this agreement, Ryan and I, that my guilt or innocence would be ambiguously betrayed, there would be some days he would call me and say, right, I want you to do this take with him having committed the crime. And I want you to do this take now having him, you know, feeling the frustration because he knows his son did it. And, and so I think the performance that you see now has been pieced together by a brilliant uh, storyteller in the editing room. So, you know, that's and even down to the research that I would do. If I got too much research that was overwhelmingly, you know, confessing his guilt or his innocence, I would, I would you know, pull away from it. You know, because I, I believe that you can't, you know, again, you can't judge your character that you portray because you miss all the colors that can be available to the, you know, to the mindset. You know, you can't villainize him and you can't deitize him, so. So when you've come out the other side, did it change your opinion either way of where you felt he was guilty or not guilty? Well, I tell you, I never like to speak on what I feel was a guilty or innocent because I want people to judge the performance um, based on what they see. And listen, we're not here to, to try to convince anybody. If you believe he's guilty and he comes out of jail and says, I did it, you, you feel justified. But if you believe he's innocent and sent came out, you'd say, oh, well, prison system broke him. So I'm not here to do that. But I will say that there were some days where uh, my opinions would go back and forth, back and forth. It's just the flood of information I got. Because, you know, when they do a trial, they have admissible evidence and unadmissible evidence. And we, this isn't a trial, this is a retelling of everything. So we heard all of the other Mark Furman tapes. We saw the, you know, documentaries claiming his innocence. We saw everything, and it, it really, really left you sweating. Now, of course, this is uh, the, 
the, the series is based on the book, The Run of His Life, The People versus O.J. Simpson. I'm interested to know whether you read the book or not. And more importantly, did you read O.J.'s book, The If I Did It Book, which is a fascinating account of him writing the story as if he had committed the murders, which is a strange concept. It really is a strange concept, and I really think it lends to the psychosis of his mentality. You know, there were excerpts of a lot of books that I kind of perused. I never sat from page one to the end of any book, again, trying to gather information based on certain scenes and facts and elements of these 10-part series. But I believe, and I truly have said this, that when, if, when OJ dies, we have an opportunity to dissect his brain, they will find that CTE concussion syndrome, not unlike what they portrayed in the Will Smith movie. Hmm. If you look at his career, going back from high school, he broke records. Going on to college, winning the Heisman Trophy, he ran for 2,000 yards in a, se- a season when they only had 14 games a season. Six other people have done it since, but now they have 16 games. So do you think of the abuse his brain must have taken? I think it's, it's indicative and, and, and really reflective of his behavior during those 911 tapes and his abusive relationship with Nicole. So, and again, I'm not saying that that would justify him having committed the murder, but it definitely explains some of this bizarre, almost schizophrenic behavior that he you know, displayed. It's a real uh, hot-button topic at the moment in the States, the whole concussion issue. And obviously, you, with your Oscar-winning role in Jerry Maguire, is this something that you looked into when you were portraying uh, a football player, and especially the very impacting scene where you've landed clean on your head? Oh, absolutely. And only one of the aspects. I mean, there's so many different... I could talk for an hour about an athlete, but just to give you a little nutshell of it, you got to think. These guys at a very young age show the people around them that they can throw a football farther than anybody else or run faster than any of the other kids. And what happens is this support system is created around them, a protected bubble of coaches and agents and parents. And what happens is they focus in on their talent and they push all of the social distractions away from them. So they literally stunt their social skills at a very young, young age of maturity. And when they go through their careers and they win their awards and make their hundreds of millions of dollars, they're spit into society with this immature, bradish behavior based on what they learned when they were young. That's why they talk about themselves in a the third person. That's why they, you know, they, they, they command that they're, they're abusive in their relationships because there's always somebody there to make it go away. And I, and I believe that's all reflective, and I think that's what informed the Rod Tidwell character and now the O.J. Simpson character and his mannerisms and his braggadociousness, his egotisticalness and whatnot. And uh, I don't know if you were at the Oscars this year, but were you happy with the results? Oh, absolutely. I wanted Leonardo DiCaprio to win. He won. Um, yeah, Spotlight was an amazing movie. I was glad that they were recognized. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a good show. And you're a winner yourself. Do you believe there was there was much in the campaign of hashtag Oscars so white, or did you think it was blown out of proportion a little bit? Well, it's it's. I think the director in New York, he said it best that the all award shows, not just the Oscars, but all of them, are at the end of the chain. If you really want to talk about diversity or address a certain um, prejudiced frame of mind, it has to start in the executive offices. It has to start when you're greenlighting films that are going to be exposed on this level on a world stage. 
You know, I think TV gets it right. You look at the people versus O.J. Simpson. We got the Rainbow Coalition going with our cast. And we're telling stories that are relevant and that actually have issues that we're still dealing with today in 2016. And I think until you get directors to recognize that and the executives to recognize that, even before the casting choices, but the stories you want to tell and greenlight. And I'm not just talking indie films and small movies. I'm talking movies that are going to be where they're going to put a hundred million dollars behind the PNA and tell a story that has, you know, blacks, Australians, Asians, you know, all types of people coming together to represent what society is today, Aborigines and whatnot. You're not going to have a proper representation of, of today's uh, of society. So. I think that's where the conversation has to happen. And then once you do that and you have those executives greenlighting those movies, if they still don't get nominated, then nobody can, you know, fault you because mm. the, the evidence was there. But to pick on, I think, a small sampling of films that only have a small sampling of what reflects society, is just, it's just too late. You've already lost the battle. And um, speaking of, how are the public responding to the People versus O.J. Simpson? Because it's halfway through in the U.S. It's still yet to premiere here. But what's the feedback like? They're really, really responding positively with it. I think um, there's a thing where it feels like we've permeated the social um, dialogue in, in, in the States here. You know, I think the best way when you think of social media, you think of the trending topics and whatnot. Whenever an episode airs, it kind of it kind of gets you know really um, kind of goes up and it spikes itself up. And all of our reviews, for the most part, have been overwhelmingly positive. Um, so it seems like we're doing pretty good right now. We really seems like we've really touched on you know um, a certain narrative um, in terms of what people feel is a way to talk about, you know, the issues that we deal with in terms of police brutality and domestic violence and whatnot. And not just from a public point of view, but there are people who would be directly involved in this story, quite clearly, you know, members of the Jenner and Kardashian clan uh, and uh, who would still be around. Uh, have Have you heard any feedback from any of those people who were directly affected by this story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Chris Jenner has spoken, and uh, the Goldman family has spoken. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's it's there's a sensitivity here, and I think that's why I think some of the, the hesitation on the part of the, the victims' families was that they felt that they the the actual victims weren't included, Ron and Nicole weren't included in the miniseries, and that was a, a deliberate attempt to respect the victims in this uh, horrific uh, crime. Uh, on Ryan Murphy's part, you know, there are no flashbacks to Nicole uh, being portrayed as an act- actress or Ron being portrayed as an actor. I think Ryan's focus was always to just put the trial on trial and the personalities, and so that when you see these two episodes and they read the not guilty verdict, you can either agree or disagree, but you will understand how they came to that verdict. And I think that was his main intent and his focus. Now, where were you when all this was going on? Do you remember where you were the day of the infamous Bronco chase or when the verdict came in? Oh, absolutely. I was watching the next game, the playoffs game, when that um, when that Bronco was on the uh, freeway and that smoke car speed chase and the announcer announced O.J. Simpson was in the back seat with a gun to his head. 
you know, being an, an actor who grew up in L.A. And, and living in L.A. at the time, having come off my phone, Boys in the Hood, I just saw myself in the back of that Bronco, and I'm thinking, I didn't, at the point, I was like, I don't know if he did it or didn't, but I hope the cops aren't going to set up another black man like they've done in the past, you know. The Rodney King beating it happened, and those cops were acquitted. I was just, I remember being so tense and, and unnerved about it, you know. So is it then a, a weird sensation when you get to shoot a scene like that and you are literally the guy who was in that car? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We spent two weekends shutting down the freeway. I was in the back of the Bronco with a gun in my life for two weekends in a row. That's pretty brutal. Emotional roller, roller coaster. There has been a division uh, with with police and with people uh, of various races in the US at the moment. It seems to be a real powder keg issue. Can you see... Any kind of uh, time in the horizon where maybe there could be some kind of reconciliation there, or is it just a wound that will just stay open? Well, I, I can only hope so. You know, we as artists have a, a responsibility to reflect society's health, and hopefully through our artistry you can find healing or at least vent your frustrations without having to feel like you have to act on them in real life. You know, I think it's disgusting that you have people shooting at police officers these men and women in, in, in you know, doing their, their service to society and they have to worry about lunatics shooting at them. But I think you need, you know, roles and stories like this so that people can at least feel the frustration being vented by watching or listening to a song, you know, or watching a movie and saying, see, that's how I feel. And then they can go back to work and instead of doing some harm to their boss, they can play that song or watch that show and then and, and feel like they've excited some of their demons. So, you know, and I and, and you just hope after a while that some form of redemption or healing can happen to the families, not just the victims, but, you know, for OJ, you know, because no matter what, those those families are torn apart. Those kids have lost their mother. Those mother and father lost their sons. Mm. And we hope that, you know, through, through the dialogue and through the dissection of this, we can find you know, what happened, how did this happen, how did the birth of reality TV happen from this trial, you know, and then move on with our lives. Well, uh, we thank you very much for your time. And it's, it's such, you've got a lot of insight that we'd love to share. Just one other thing, we do have, um, here in Australia, we... We really feel for you guys when we hear these these types of stories of shootings and things like that because the gun laws that we have here in Australia, we had we had one public shooting uh, once and it just meant a complete uh, ban on on all hand weapons and the the easy access to them. And for us, it just sort of seems like a, a real problem that that hopefully will not be ongoing for you guys there in the states. Yeah, well, thank you for all. This. Having your thoughts and kind words on it, and it's um, you know it's it, it's what I teach my sons to always be aware of your surroundings wherever you go. Don't take anything for granted. Just just stay aware and alert. That's all you can hope for. Mm. Well, uh, all the best to you, uh, and uh, yeah, and and what happens with your career in the future? We have no doubt that the American crime story, the People versus O.J. Simpson, part of it will be another feather in your cap. And uh, we thank you very much for your time this morning, oh. Cooper Gooding Jr. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you both. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Thanks thank a you. lot.